Welcome to the Body Track Academy podcast created by EPs for EPs. The podcast will take you on an in-depth understanding of everything an EP is faced with on a day-to-day basis, including clinical, personal and business practices to ensure you become the best practitioner possible. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you like, share, follow us on whatever streaming service you use to ensure the message spreads and you are notified of any new podcasts or educational resources available to you. Furthermore, if you're not already part of our online academy, head over to Facebook and join the Body Track Academy. Happy listening. Hi everyone, this is Ashley, one of the accredited exercise physiologists here at Body Track, and today we're going to have a special uh, podcast on a case study with one of our other practitioners. Um, So I'd like to welcome Will to the podcast. Hello, everyone. So today, Will is going to speak about one of his clients he's worked with for a little while now, um, who has a pretty interesting medical history, and we thought it might just bring to light some different ways to go about treating patients that you may see with these sort of medical backgrounds, or give you some other ideas on how to work on progressing them through to achieve their goals. So I'll let Will introduce the case um, and he can give us a bit of a background around what brought them to us um, and what sort of things he had to consider. Cool, thanks Ash. Yeah, so I saw this individual probably mid last year when he first came in, came through NDIS, he was referred by. Um, and so he's coming with an acquired brain injury as the initial or primary concern there as well. Um, also history of mental health and PTSD as well. Um, wedge compression fracture in the T12 and, uh, first lumbar vertebrae as well. Um, abdominal separation and also type two diabetes as well. So a little bit going on there. Um, the first thing that I did was try to get his sort of priority straight as well. So obviously from a clinical point of view, we want to make sure we're doing things nice and safe. Um, but I always like to get uh, the, the client's expertise on what is going to be uh, most important for them, essentially. Uh, and for this individual, it was essentially his chronic pain. So we were looking at his you know, diagnosed wedge compression fracture, um, but he was just getting pain um, in pretty much any sort of movement. So rotational, um, particularly flexion and extension through the spine as well and things like a like a sit to stand as well um so that's what we focused on first um within the assessment itself uh we looked at things like uh like a 30 second sit to stand uh and a bit of rotational uh ranges of motion and whatnot um his five times sit to stand was actually recorded at 47 seconds and that was on a fairly high box so this this individual was was in quite amount of um quite an amount of pain wow, as well that's quite that's quite slow isn't it what would be normally like what would be the usual the normal kind of sit to stand so we look for well yeah generally we look for under 13 and so that's our measure of sort of leg strength and power um and his limitation there was obviously the pain but also his confidence in his movement was just not there at all I have a question. When he came to you, did his was with his acquired brain injury? Had he had many treatments, or had he seen other, any other allied health before he came to see you, or was that kind of left unresolved? Um, for his pain, I don't think so. Um, it did say in the in the handover that I got that he had previously 
had a negative experience with another um, sort of allied health professional. I wasn't sure with whether that was within the exercise realm. It's not something we've discussed, um, but he was seeing a psychologist and psychiatrist and is still seeing both of those two as well. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of challenges that come with that, isn't there, when you have someone who's had a negative experience and then actually just connecting with them and trying to then show them how positive this can be for them. So how did you, how have you approached that? Yeah, so obviously the rapport was the big one as well. And um, with his, you know, acquired brain injury in, in a new environment, it was quite challenging to initially approach like that. Um, so... I did get, thankfully, in, in the handover, a few little talking points as well. Um, you know, a, a bit about his sort of past life, what he's done previously, uh, and his roles, and um, and his dog as well. And so, just using those those little points and and finding things that he you can see he lights up at things that he's interested in talking about, and um, and it just takes time. So over time, just um, building a bit of a, a connection, and then just. Um, over time just opening up essentially and that's going to be a a really important thing for any client but particularly for the ones that are a little bit hesitant in new environments and have had a previously negative experience Um, trying to get them comfortable in the environment is is huge yeah awesome now let's let's circle back to his medical history and then how you went about your assessment so you touched briefly on some of the the assessment tools you used Um, what were some of the other um, maybe musculoskeletal things that might have popped up when you looked at his posture and his gait and kind of muscle strength and things like that. So tell us more about what your assessment kind of covered. Yeah, so like I, I briefly touched on as well, we, well, we started with a bit of range of motion stuff because that's going to be the lightest kind of movement and see what he could really tolerate. So particularly he mentioned any sort of twisting was really painful and so we got him into a, a position that was seated on a box uh, hands over the chest and then um, just measured with a um, with a goni, essentially his rotational range. Um, and then after that, what we did is actually went through a little bit of sort of light mobility, you know, around the thoracic spine and actually retested it um, and showed him that there was a, a slight increase there as well. And that's, you know, being able to work through a little bit of discomfort is actually not going to be the worst thing in the world. Um, so from like a, a range of motion uh, stage, we did you know, all around the back. Um, we did a, a floor rise, so sorry, a floor to rise test as well. That was something he identified as being, um, he really struggled with. So um, that functional movement of just getting off the floor, uh, particularly with that abdominal separation. So not being able to sit up essentially, having to, to always roll over onto his side. Um, and that was around 37 seconds that it took for him to get from the floor to standing. Just to give the listeners a bit of an idea, how old is this client, Will? Uh, he's about 60, turning 60 pretty soon, I think. Yeah, so he's still, I mean, we would still consider him a young client. Like, he's yeah. still got a lot more life to live. So, um, given those given those limitations, like, we want him to be able to move out of his bed or from the floor comfortably as he ages. Otherwise, as we know with aging process, those things are likely to become more limited, um, which will then affect his activities of daily living and his quality of life. So really, really good of you to kind of point those out to him and show him gradually how with a bit more movement, he can reduce that hesitation around what he's actually doing. Um, in terms of the assessment, was there anything that you did to assess his mental health? Because sometimes this can be quite tricky. Um, it's not something that I actually touched on there as well. I thought about there are sort of um, questionnaires that you can do, like DAS21 
as well. Um, because he was quite reserved, I know some of the questions in there can be, um, you know, quite abrupt even if you read them for the first time, again, in a new environment. Mm-hmm. So that's something I didn't choose to pursue, uh, essentially. But um, keeping in mind that he is seeing a psychologist, seeing a psychiatrist, and if I do feel the need to, to get into contact with them as well, um, just asking him if that's okay, if anything does pop up. Yeah, I think that's great. Connecting with his other allied health creates a stronger kind of collaborative team. It puts... Um, the client in the centre of the care. So mm. ultimately that will build more rapport and trust down the line as you work with them too, doesn't yeah. it? Um, let's move on. So um, with this client, there was a few prescription challenges, I believe. So let Will kind of start off with what where he kind of started post-assessment, what he was thinking, what the client wanted to achieve with his exercise prescription. So um, over to you, Will. Yeah, so basically... The, the first thing that I focused on was obviously what he was most concerned with, and that was just his pain and inability to, to perform movements and his discomfort during everyday life. So we started nice and light, gentle movements um, to begin with, um, and throughout was just educating him on the purpose of pain. Um, so it being used as, as a sort of alarm bell that the body's sort of sending off as well. But also um, that it's okay to push through a little bit of, um, a little bit of irritation as well. In a safe way and, and seeing how he pulled up the next day was really important to make sure we, we weren't doing too much and and he always generally responded um pretty well to that um and then just yeah over time just that reinforcement of um pushing into a little bit more range a little bit more range starting to increase load very very gradually um that was pretty much the first sort of eight weeks there of you know fairly light movement some stability base and then trying to trying to increase uh, his, his range of movement in a, in a safe way, constantly just checking in with him, saying, is this all right? Do you feel safe? Um, to, to make sure that he was, you know, understood why we were doing this and um, that, yeah, he wasn't in too much discomfort. I think as well, like you said at the start, it also buys into that creating a more positive environment. He builds more trust and rapport with you. So by constantly checking in, obviously there's a limit to it as well, but mm-hmm. making sure that the, the client's con- um, constantly comfortable and that they feel like they're being supervised and guided in the right directions, I think is the, the key to you know successful prescriptions. So mm. I think where you started sounds like it was a great place and you've really built some great rapport and progress with the client. Was there anything you had to consider in terms of when you could start, when you started to load him with weight and you know, stronger movements. Was there anything you had to consider with the prescription? Um, particularly around, uh, firstly, his abdominal separation was one of them. Uh, so anything that was too involved in forward flexion of the torso, he would feel like he'd get this bulging, you know, through that area because there was some separation there. So again, that we've just, you know, really had to gradually load that and, and now he's doing things like um, he's doing like a Russian twist, a seated Russian twist, where he's actually able to lean back into the, into that. Um, and again, just checking with him, see if he's feeling okay. Um, so that was one of them as well, being being cautious of that and trying to avoid too much intra abdominal pressure, you know, breathing. Just uh, yeah, I was going to say I have a question in terms of that um, abdominal separation. Mm. In terms of like the evidence or research, is there much out there that you could find when you were trying to? piece together your exercises that would work for him or was there didn't like it was quite you already had what you wanted to do come to mind or anything like that um i have to kind of use it as a 
uh, precaution as well um, and just as a, a bit of a limiting factor. Uh, I think what we do know, just like all muscles are going to respond to load, essentially, um, we just got to have to make sure that we're, we're loading it uh, to an appropriate level as well. So obviously if we're you know, doing too much strain through that area is, is not going to be ideal, but it's, it's not like we want to neglect the, uh, the, the abdominals in, in that sense as well. So we still want to be putting load through them. It's just going to be through you know, a safe yeah, brilliant. And I mean, with with the abdominals anyway, they are the, the kind of pillar to holding posture and people refer to them as the core. So it's important that strong to support things like our back and our lower limb. So I'm sure that as he's developed more strength and endurance in that area, it's definitely been something he's been able to then allow him to do other things. Is there any other challenges or um, things you had to consider with the prescription when you were planning to start when you first started off doing that kind of initial range of motion period yeah well I, I should quickly mention as well um another sort of challenge we came to face with was um he's missing uh three of the fingers on his on his right hand and so obviously any sort of gripping uh makes it sort of hard to prescribe um mm, with those real circumstances <laughs> it is a, it he was a real he challenge he can't really hold a dumbbell well can he how it, did you go about well, that he, he does all right holding a dumbbell he just you know uses the pinky and and, and thumb mm-hmm. essentially and there's actually a bit more you can see there's a bit more actual muscle bulk that has adapted through those two um digits mm-hmm. which is um it's not surprising so he has been you know hasn't been avoiding it in his everyday life he still carries his shopping bag with his with his right hand and mm-hmm. just with those two fingers so um but obviously, yeah, so that, that posed a bit of a challenge. And also um, from a, you know, coming into a, a new place, a new clinic, um, I didn't want to make it too obvious either that we were, you know, trying to avoid certain things or, or address the issue. It's not something he specifically brought up, but it's, you know, obviously yeah. something I could see. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm sure it made you more creative with your program. <laughs> it certainly did. <laughs> it certainly did. So in terms of um, getting him to do sort of things like rows and, you know, using his um, upper limb, how, what sort of approach did you take? What sort of exercises did you give him just to give the listeners a bit of an idea who haven't worked with someone who is missing their three middle fingers? Yeah, so any sort of push-based based movements were fine as well. Just like, for example, like a, any sort of bench press was fine as long as you... You know, you make sure you you were spotting him as well. Um, didn't want him to lose grip at any point. So yeah, it was more the the road type movements that were that were challenging. Um, we initially got around it because uh, we weren't doing very high loads at the time, and he was able to to grip the weight for what it was as well. Um, but as we started to progress, um, that became his limiting factor there, and so we've um, we started to utilize some some straps. So particularly within the lap pull down. We've got him um, strapped up. He can pretty much lock himself onto the bar and then um, ensure that his lats are the ones that are the, the limiting factor there rather than his grip strength. Yeah, that's great. Well done getting creative with that. Um, how have you noticed his chronic pain or his pain has changed since using the weights and getting him doing more loaded movements and exercise well? Uh, massive, massive um, improvement there, um, and so from a, like a functional point of view, but also um, uh, from a pain point of view as well. Um, and I think he just after that initial sort of six to eight weeks, he really got that buy-in as well. He could start to feel that this is actually going to be beneficial for him, um, and that just made him want to want to come even more. And so you know he's, he's doing two sessions a week. 
his his um consistency was was unreal and rarely missed a session and um yeah and he was just stoked with with progression as well so um you know we we try to you know if things were feeling good progress him uh in little ways each session as well and just build a bit of a base and uh he's he's responded really well uh and if you could see him you know and i know you've seen him around the clinic ash from from the start and then what he's like now it's it's a it's a major change in his presentation but also not just his like physical presentation like his his mental health and um his social presentation too so you know he's saying hi to, to the other practitioners around the around the clinic um and he's got that sort of social engagement um which is which is outstanding i agree i he i even catch him sometimes like saying hi to other clients which when he first came in he would say nothing you know keep himself in the corner just wait for mm. will to start with a session which when you see that change in someone that you can just tell how comfortable they are and how much that will have an effect on their quality of life and their you know their mental health i think it's huge so i think it's important to remember as practitioners we not only help people with physical injuries disabilities um ailments we also can have a huge impact on their quality of life then their mental health um and some people listening may only work with people who work in that mental health space but we just have to remind ourselves how much of an impact we can have and how much that can then you know help a person move forward that may have a physical ailment um let's chat, chat about quickly was there anything else in terms of his medical history you had to consider with the prescription so I think you touched on he had type 2 diabetes, was that correct? Yes, yeah, type 2 diabetes as well. Um, it's not something that was, I guess, the, a major focus. Obviously, it was considered um, throughout, but sort of after we've gone through more of that um, uh, addressing the, the, the pain there as well, uh, we've now started to, to shift um, a little bit more into that side of things as well. So we've been taking... Uh, uh, blood glucose measures uh, before and after, and they can sometimes get quite high. Like I think the last one we took was around 15 with the pre, and then post came down to nine, so dropped quite quite rapidly after our session. Um, but it's not something that he's got a lot of um, knowledge or education on either. So you know now um, it's really good. Actually, today he came in and um, did his own blood glucose for the first time as well. So we've oh, been going wow. through that process, and now he's 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 confident with that. So. Now he's coming in, he, he's got his blood glucose. He, he does understand why we're doing it. Um, there's still a lot of details that we haven't been through. Um, and now we're, we're trying to get him, him in to see his, his GP uh, and get a, a HbA1c, essentially. Yeah, and that's important to empower people through, you know, testing themselves and knowing what their numbers and levels are. I think knowledge is power. I truly believe in that. And mm -hmm. I think the more they can understand why those values are the way they are and how much of an impact exercise can have on them and things like their diet and their stress and their sleep and all the other yep. lifestyle factors, the more that they can begin to change habits to help improve it. So I think that's a real credit to you, you know, empowering them to be able to do that and hopefully with adherence and, you know, consistency, you'll start to see that level change and the HbA1c will be the, the proof of the pudding, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, brilliant. Now, let's talk about quickly reporting because you said that he comes in um, and he has NDIS funding. Yes. 
what sort of things do you have to include in that report or if you're you know reporting back to um allied health or things like that what sort of things do you include in your report yeah well it depends if there's if he's referred for a particular condition they obviously want to see objective assessment and as well as subjective but particularly objective assessment that's in line with what you know measures that we want to change as well and we want to see um reassessment measures in the value and actually report on those values and and um actually report if there's any change if there's any change to his presentation if we're going the right direction um what are we going to do for, for future cycles as well um so it's just being really clear about um what you're testing and um what's going to be the best plan moving forward for him and just making that as, as crystal clear as you can to whoever you're reporting to do you find that you tend to use any research to back up your statements or do you do you find that that's beneficial it helps you know convince the the person reading the report that they that this this client really needs that it's not something i have done um but it's definitely something i have seen in the other practitioners reports and something i want to start doing because not everyone also has that that base of knowledge um in terms of exercise that we have so I'll sometimes assume you're sending to another allied health professional and they'll have you know, an understanding of why we're doing things, but it's not necessarily the case, I think. And so, yeah, if we could start to, to add that in as well, just to, um, again, ensure that they know what we're doing is going to be beneficial, then that's, that's going to be a good thing. Absolutely. And I mean, as exercise physiologists, we believe exercise is medicine and we are evidence-based practitioners. So... We can appreciate not every um, condition is going to have research to back up um, exercise supporting it, but mm. there's enough exercise data out there to show that it has a profound effect on people's physiological changes and health conditions. So I think where you add that in, it just gives that little bit of extra kind of um, support or, you know, it just confirms what you're trying to say. So yeah. it can be really beneficial, but when you're already reporting on so many other things, you want to try and make it as, um, you know, concise as possible with the right information. So you don't want to make it too wordy. Um, all right, well, unless you've got anything else you wanted to add in, let's just talk takeaway points. So from this case, what would be something that you want the listeners to take away from this, this podcast? So any of the interesting points or things that if you're working with a client like this, what to consider, yeah. what would be your advice to someone? I think the, the first one is just that rapport building as well. I think that can go such a long way uh, into the, the treatment process. And, you know, we like to think that what we do is, is a lot, you know, physical. But like Ash said, you know, there's, there's so many different changes from like a social mental health sort of point of view as well. And rapport is going to be the, the first step there in, um, in getting the, the client to get, a, to get a buy-in and feel comfortable. Um, and it just does take time sometimes and just being able to persist with um with that i think is a, is a real skill there so my, my second point would be to obviously consider all the comorbidities that an individual comes in with as well um but being able to prioritize them in terms of uh, what the client is wanting most as well um but being being made sure to, to consider other things, um, obviously if there's you know cardiovascular risk, you're not going to be you know uh, pushing them into situations um, where they're they're going to be you know in a dangerous position or anything. Um, but yeah, focusing on what they want most, and again you're going to get that buy-in, uh, and you're going to see the best results there with them. 
So my, my third takeaway point would be to um, maintain, when necessary, a, uh, a good relationship with the allied health team as well. So this, obviously this individual saw a uh, psychologist, psychiatrist. Um, I've actually reached out to a dietitian that does home visits. Um, and she's going to hopefully get in contact with him in the next week or so. And that's going to have a, a really sort of positive impact, hopefully, on his um, uh, cardiovascular health as well. But just making sure to, to update when necessary um, and, and staying in, in contact as well. Because uh, the team working together is going to give the, the client the best uh, outcomes, essentially. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Will, for coming on the podcast today to discuss this client. We hope that the listeners have gained some insight into dealing with a very complex kind of case. Um, As always, if anyone has questions, um, please reach out to us. We're happy to try and help from afar. Otherwise, stay tuned and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. So remember to share, like or follow to keep updated with all our podcasts and educational resources.